You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. We're so glad that you're able to join us today, and we're looking forward to hearing from you. So let's get into the Word today, and turn with me to the book of Joshua and chapter 17. Joshua chapter 17. While you're turning there, in this particular passage, we see how the people of Israel have already conquered the promised land, and Joshua had divided up the land among the tribes, and each one is taking their inheritance except we find this little problem. So join with me as we read together Joshua chapter 17 and verses 14, 18. Then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying, why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit since we are a great people inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now? So Joshua answered them, if you are a great people, then go up to the forest country and clear a space for yourself there in the land of the Perizzites and the giants, since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. But the children of Joseph said, the mountain country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who live in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both those who are of Beth Sheen and its towns, and those who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people and have great power. You shall have only one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down, and its farthest extent shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. The question I want to ask you today is this. Have you ever felt like you don't have enough? The title of my message today is, When is Enough Enough? Father, we ask right now for your presence to come and that you would release your spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would understand you and know your ways. Father, I pray that you would use me to minister to my brothers and sisters today, and I pray, Lord God, you set hearts on fire in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen in the chat. I remember the times as a pastor's kid when I used to go around with my parents. We'd go around from here and there all over Indonesia. I remember one particular time we were going to the central part of Indonesia. We lived in North Sumatra, working our way down all the way to Java, where my uncle had his ministry there. And one of these times that we stopped, we stayed in a pastor's house. It was a very small house, but back in that day and for, for himself in that area, he was actually doing pretty well. And so he was so kind and so gracious, he and his wife and his family, and they gave up their beds so that our family would have a place to sleep. And we also had ministers with us traveling on this trip. And so my sisters were able to get the kids' beds. My parents got the, the, the pastor and his wife's bed. And then the rest of us guys, we just had to make do with whatever we had. Well, 
I decided I'm not going to sleep on the floor mat because there were bed bugs and lice on the floor mat that we actually saw. And so I decided I'm going to try and sleep on this chair. I did beg to go out and sleep in the car, but my dad said, no, that's a disrespect and a dishonor for these people who are giving up their own home for us, so you will sleep here. So I found this chair. It was tiny. It had at least some sides to it, and I tried to squish myself into this chair, and then to add insult to injury, I was given a blanket that was too short for me. I know you find that impossible to... (laughs) But I'm actually tall. I was tall back then for an Indonesian. But the blanket was too short for me. And here I am. My legs are hanging over the side of the chair. I'm trying my best to get comfortable. I grabbed an old jacket, tried to fluff it up like a pillow because there weren't enough pillows around. And I'm just miserable in that place thinking, this isn't long enough. The blanket isn't long enough. The, The bed, the chair isn't long enough. And perhaps it's a little bit of what the people of Ephraim and Manasseh were also feeling. When is enough enough? They said this to Joshua. Why have you given us only one lot, only one share to inheritance? We are a great people. The tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh look like they were asking a legitimate question. They're saying, how come you haven't given us what we deserve? You know, in in a day and age today where it's all about you and what you deserve, it seems like a fair enough question. My son, he's a growing boy. He's eight years old. Next month, he's going to be turning nine, nine years old. And as skinny as he is, he's now starting to have those moments where he wants more on his plate. So I make this awesome chicken parmesan. And when daddy makes chicken parmesan, my son, he wants two or three. He'll try to put on his plate. Skinny little kid. But I see him and I realize, look, your, your, t- your eyes are bigger than your tummy. That's my, what my mom used to say. Your eyes are bigger than your tummy. But he will try to howl into that thing. And sure enough, there's food left over. It's just too much for him to be able to handle. Occasionally, he does surprise me. Well, Ephraim and Manasseh felt hard done by. They felt they deserved more. They had already been given the hill country, but they didn't want it. They they felt that what they were given was too small. And so they're making this argument to Joshua, trying to appeal to him, saying, look, we, we are great. We are an awesome nation. Look at all the people that we have. Have you ever cried out to God and asked him, God, why don't I have more? God, why can't you give me more? Some of you can probably relate to this. Just shout out right now in the chat. And as Ephraim and Manasseh said, we deserve more. So I want to answer three things today in this particular message. Why does God sometimes withhold more? What is more to you may be different to what is more to the person sitting next to you. But why does God sometimes withhold more? I want to give you three reasons for these things. And I I pray that it will set you free when you start to understand the word of God and the heart and the intention and the love of God for you. Here's the first reason why God will sometimes withhold more. Reason number one, you can't handle it. You are unable to manage what you've already been blessed with. The Peter principle, this is a known thing, observes that people in a hierarchy tend to rise to their level of incompetence. 
employees are promoted based on their success in previous jobs until they reach a level at which they are no longer competent, as skills in one job don't necessarily translate to another. So we promote to the level of incompetence, but God will never do that. Because when you understand the heart of God, God wants to set you up for success, that you can become truly an overcomer. In fact, the Bible says you are more than overcomers. So before God sets, puts you in a battle, he will set you up for success. He ensures that you have all the skills required to beat that giant in battle. And I want you to write this down. God will not promote you if you're not ready for it. The Bible tells us that when Israel first entered the promised land, God said this thing here. He's saying, I'm not going to give the whole land to you. And you'll find this in Exodus 23, verse 29 and 30. He says, I will not drive them out in a single year because he could. And this is why. Because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. So think about this for a moment. God has more in store for you, but he cannot give you more than you're capable of handling. Right now, that should be a shout-out praise. God wants to bless you. It's not the opposite. Sometimes we'll pray, oh, God, why just my prayer? God, come through for me. And God's saying, I want to, I want to bless you. I've got it in my right hand, ready to go. But until you're ready, this blessing will destroy you. God always knows the perfect moment to bless us. Sometimes God withholds for a season. When you've walked long enough with God, you'll eventually realize that when the answer is not forthcoming, wait. When it feels like your prayer will not be answered, wait. When the pressure is mounting and you feel like you're at your wit's end, wait. Because when you understand, wait on the Lord. His timing is always perfect. He's never late. He always arrives on time. Here's key number two. Why does a prayer, why does God sometimes withhold? Here's the second one. Because you don't appreciate what you already have. Look at the wording that the, Ephraim, the, the tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh was saying, the wording. We are great. They call themselves great. And they felt that Joshua had not given them what they were actually entitled to. But Joshua called them on it. And he said, okay, if you are so great, then you can have the land of the giants. If you are so great, then you can take down the mountain territories. Because their response was not great. When you try and compare it to the way Joshua and Caleb were when they first entered the land as spies 40 years earlier. When they saw giants, Joshua and Caleb saw opportunity. When they saw hardship and travail to be able to enter that land, they saw a prize worth suffering for. Some of you guys need to understand this. There are prizes that are worth suffering for because it is so good. Nothing good and nothing expensive is obtained easily because it's quality. That's where the worth lies. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, the second portion, it says this, from everyone who has been given much, 
much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Sometimes we think in the kingdom we can just do whatever we want. I've entered the kingdom. I've made it through. Praise the Lord. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'll get to go to heaven. But we don't preach the rest of it. The fact is that God expects all of us to bear fruit. In fact, sometimes you'd hear Jesus, you'll even hear John the Baptist would have said this, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. There's an expectation of the kingdom that we are producing. And so God will not give you more than you're capable of handling. If you can handle what little you have well, God will entrust you with more. There's a great story uh, that was told by Russell H. Conwell back in 1915. He was raising money. He had a vision to raise up a Christian university. Today, sadly, it's not Christian. Temple University in Pennsylvania in the USA. And he told the story of a man who once lived in the River Indus, around that area, in ancient Persia by the name of Ali Hafed. Ali owned a large farm. He had orchards, he had grain fields, he had gardens, and he had money at an interest. He was wealthy, he was a contented man. But one day, a visitor came and told Ali about diamonds. They were having this conversation. He told Ali that the worth of these diamonds are so great that you you could buy a whole township with one diamond. In fact, if you had a few of these diamonds, which are available on the planet, you can find these things, you can put your children on thrones because of the influence that your wealth would bring. Ali Hafed on hearing about diamonds and how much they were worth, went to bed that night a poor man. Why? He had not lost anything, but he was poor because he was discontented. He said, I want a mine of diamonds. And he lay awake all night thinking and ruminating about this thing until eventually Ali sold his farm. He collected his money, left his family in charge, uh, in, in the charge of a neighbor, and away he went in search of diamonds. And according to the story, he went all around the earth globally, traveling extensively on his search until finally at last, when all his money had been spent and he he was in rags, wretchedness, and poverty. He stood on the shore of a bay, and this poor, afflicted, suffering, dying man could not resist the awful temptation to cast himself into that incoming tide. Meanwhile, the man who purchased Ali Hafed's farm one day led his camel into the garden to drink. And as that camel put its nose into the shallow water of that garden brook, Ali Hafid's successor noticed a curious flash of light from the white sands of the stream. He pulled out a black stone, having an eye of light reflecting all the hues of the rainbow on the stone. So he took that pebble into the house and put it in the mantle, which covers the central fires, and forgot all about it until one day, A visitor, in fact, the same visitor that visited Ali Hafid, saw the pebble on the mantle and asked the man, where did you find that? 
do you know what this is? And the man replied, well, it was just some rock in, in, the, in the water that I found. It's all over my field. And, and this man said, do you understand what you have is a diamond? You found a diamond in your own garden. To his shock, this new owner realized he was sitting on one of the most enormous diamond finds of that century, and his fields were littered with acres of acres of rough diamonds. Ali Hafed had sold everything he had, become discontent with what he had, when all along the thing he was searching for was already in his fields. Ephraim and Manasseh had not shown appreciation for the inheritance of land they had been given. It was actually very, very large. And they envied what the other tribes were allotted. Perhaps you're finding yourself today thinking about what other people have. Perhaps it's a co-worker that's with you and you're thinking to yourself, how come they have so much? How come they can afford these things? Perhaps it might even be someone in church and some things are happening to them. Good things are going on there. God is blessing them, you say to yourself. You're wondering, why isn't God blessing me? Some of you are wanting promotions, but how are you serving your company best in your current role? Are you a blessing to them? Are you serving them with all your heart as a worship unto God? The third reason why God will sometimes withhold things from you is because you refuse to fight for it. Ephraim and Manasseh complain, the mountain country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both those who are of Bethshean and its towns and of the valley of Jezreel. They could not see the value of what they were given. They expected everything to be easy. There's an interesting story. That took place, uh, this happened in 1995. And what happened was the Yellowstone National Park was experiencing problems with defoliation, with erosion, and an unbalanced ecosystem. But everything changed one day when they decided, scientists decided, hey, look, let's restore the ecosystem. Let's put the wolves back in because they decided to look back and see what is the common factor? What is the one thing that has changed that might be contributing to this? And this is what they discovered. They thought that wolves were too dangerous, so they got rid of the wolves from the park. But here's what happened. When they put the wolves back into the park, everything began to change. You see, when the wolves were removed, it changed the ecosystem. Deer and the elk populations increased substantially, resulting in overgrazing, particularly of willows and other vegetation important to soil and riverbank structure, leaving the landscape vulnerable to erosion. Without the wolves, this entire ecosystem of the park suffered. But here is what happened. The phenomenon occurred in reverse. So what, what they call that is a trophic cascade by removing the wolves. One thing led to another, led, thing to, led, thing, led to another, which caused the devastation of the park. But here's what happened when they introduced wolves. All of a sudden, all the deer and the antelope, they're running around and they're avoiding certain places like valleys and gorges where they could be easily hunted or, uh, by these predators. 
And as a result, those areas began to thrive again. It regenerated, and species such as birds and mice and bears began to return again. Plant life increased and thrived along the riverbanks. Erosion decreased significantly. And the stabilization of the riverbank actually made the rivers and streams change course. The craziest thing, simply because they introduced a predator into the works. Sometimes God will allow the predators. I know this sounds crazy. And if you're listening to this right now in this portion of the message, it won't make sense. Listen to the other bit. Sometimes God will allow the predators. God will allow that hardship. God will allow that overbearing boss, a micromanaging boss. God will allow that trouble in your home because it is doing you good. Your ecosystem is healthier because of the challenges that are in your life. The people of Ephraim and Manasseh were complaining about the land that they were given. They said, the land is too many forests. We have to clear it up. It's too hard to clear. They complained about the giants. They complained about the strong inhabitants. They complained about the fact that they had iron chariots, which back then was modern technology, because it's too hard to conquer. But Joshua told Ephraim and Manasseh, although it is wooded, you shall cut it down. And as far this extent shall be yours, it's big. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. I want to ask you today, When given an opportunity, are you balking at the idea? Are you running for cover? Are you trying to bury your head in the sand? Or are you looking at this this as an opportunity? When things are hard upon your life, are you looking at what you're learning from the situation? When things are hard in your life, are you on your knees praying, contending, saying, God, deliver me from this. God, give me a solution. Because these things draw us into the presence of God. Are you expecting things to be handed to you in your lap? Or are you fighting for the things that are truly precious in your life? This morning, I want to pray for those of you right now. A message like this could be quite hard. Because you're thinking, but pastor, I've been praying, I've been praying. I just can't seem to get this breakthrough. I want to pray for you today. But I also want to encourage you today to take the time right now to begin to open your heart to possibilities. Begin to open your heart and see the problems for what they are. God has put them there for your good, for your benefit. Because if he can trust you with this and if he can come through, he's going to give you more. I want to declare upon you today, promotion is on the other side of your trouble. Come and pray with me. That's you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up those whose hands are raised. For some of them, Lord, they're not raising the hands in their home. They're too embarrassed. They're on the bed. Some of them are just weeping and crying. Father, you know who they are. And I come right now on behalf of the kingdom, and we lift them up before you right now. Every brother, every sister listening to this podcast, praying with me. And in the name of Jesus, we declare breakthrough upon you. In the name of Jesus, we declare the season of winter has ended upon your life. and We declare spring has come. Spring has come. Father, we pray that you would 
strengthen the shoulders of those who are going through trouble and bearing up with so much weight upon their shoulders. Father, strengthen them. Encourage them, Father God. And let them see that behind the other side of trouble, Lord, is their promotion. I bless them. I bless them in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray you fill them with your spirit of joy so they laugh in that overflow. Perhaps today... This is the first time that you have understood the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as I was preaching today, something was changing. You know, something has shifted in your heart, and you're thinking differently right now. Maybe you never believed in God, but today you're thinking, man, it feels so real. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. And I want to pray with you and lead you in this prayer, because you've got to do something with that. If that's you, this is your first time. Maybe this is your tenth time. It doesn't matter. If the Lord is speaking to you, to you today, I want to lead you in this prayer. Will you pray with me right now in your homes? And let me lead you in that. And please repeat this prayer right where you are. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. And thank you for taking my punishment by dying on the cross for my sins. So I'm asking you now, Jesus, forgive me all my sins and remove all my guilt and fill me with your spirit, O God, that I can live for you. Today, I declare that I am a follower of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, we just want to congratulate you. You've made a wonderful decision today. And I want to encourage you to write to me. I'll get it personally. Write to yes at livecitychurch.com. Write to me. Perhaps even on the chat, if you're brave enough, let people know, I made the decision today because we want to celebrate with you. And I can't wait to lead you on the next steps of your journey. Thank you so much for tuning in today. The Lord bless you. And don't forget, next week is Father's Day. And we've got Pastor Dave Smethurst ready to bring an incredible message to bless your heart. God bless you today. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Life City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.